As much as I like to fight everyone, yeah, yeah. I'm having a pretty good time here. Why are you mad? Why are you mad? Why are you, Why mad? you mad? Okay. Uh, ha- 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 Halloween. Hello, Louisa. <laughs> Hi, Jake. <laughs> What's up? How are you? Mm, good, man. I am doing great. I am doing great. I am. I mean, I've been pretty busy working a lot because uh, I'm I'm freelance, you know. So in order to take a trip, I got to like work a lot of hours to be able to. Mm-hmm. So I took a trip before and then I got back and I had to catch up. And then uh, this weekend, I'm actually going on a solo just like get away from everybody trip. Yeah, those are fun. Yeah, man. Uh, honestly, partially inspired by your uh, Vegas situation, which seemed mm-hmm. very cool for you to just be in like a fun hotel by yourself. Yeah, it was cool. So I'm just going to like um, <clears throat> a um, not even upstate New York, like a small town farther up in New York. I'm going to go to a couple of outdoor large scale art places. So I'm sure that's enough for people to know <laughs> if you're in the New York area. But I'm going to spend like a, a couple of days. And then also, like, I don't know, get a massage and go to a drive-in theater uh, to watch a horror movie. Cool. I'm going to slam. Because the options were Halloween, the new one, or that movie, Lamb. I was like, I guess I'll watch Lamb. So I'm going to go to a drive-in by myself, you know, fog up the car solo. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And uh, what else? And then go to these two different like outdoor well one is a place well i should just tell people dia beacon if you're ever in the area you should go it is a it used to be an imbisco factory and then they somebody i don't know i guess some rich people bought it and turned it into a large-scale art oh cool i love stuff like that yeah and so they what they did is this art is all meant to be seen in like real daylight but it's too valuable to put outside. So they made the whole ceiling of the factory glass so that it has natural light always, but it's still in- indoors and like climate controlled. Cool. And then the other one, yeah, so I'm really excited because oh, I just love Richard Serra and I just want to go put my face on it because I can totally sneak around the guards and touch the stuff. <laughs> uh, but I'll bring gloves and I'll be like, look, I'm wearing gloves. And then I'll totally take off my gloves. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, the other place is Storm King, which is um, like a, just a big giant fucking like open Disney World, I guess. Like it's just open fields with big sculptures in it. So it's just a lot of walking to see a lot of art. Uh, so I'm thinking of tripping. We'll see. I might do that. Yeah, that sounds cool. Yeah, because you just park your car and walk around, and there's a tram, so I could ride around and then see which parts I want to walk around, and then just, like, hang out with art while wearing sunglasses and tripping. (laughs) You ever trip alone? Is that, like, fun? Oh, I love it. Yeah? I always feel like... I've never done it, but I I, I am such a loner type that I'm like, maybe that would be really fun, but I just am worried that it would get weird. Well, okay, so I think that's why, like, I take tripping really seriously because I have done, like, fun, ooh, you trip with your friends, whatever, but I've mostly done, like, the way people do ayahuasca, I've done, like, a lot, a lot of acid, (laughs) you know, like, at one time, even by myself, and then 
it becomes this kind of, and I've never had a bad trip. I should tell you that. So it kind of just becomes this exercise in like exploring your brain and letting your brain go free. And then it's just a battle between you and your brain. And does your brain ever get to overpower you? Which like, if you're not your brain, what, what is you? But this is the kind of <laughs> fun thing that you end up uh, discoursing within yourself. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, so I have a good time. And, you know, you write, um, you draw sometimes, you do stuff. I like to be outside. I haven't, um, I haven't solo tripped actually in a very long time, more than a decade. So that's why I was thinking of doing it this time because I'd be outdoors. I'd be around art. You know what I mean? Yeah. It'd be pretty nice. Like, Cool. Dewy in a dewy field after it's rained in the evening, <laughs> and just get my butt all wet and grass stained. <laughs> yeah, that um that reminds me of a place I went once that I would totally take acid and go back to, which is the City Museum in, in St. Louis. Do you know about Ooh. that? No, tell me about that. It's really cool. It's like St. Louis kind of sucks if you're touring. Like it's just not. I've never <laughs> had a good time there. Like at the shows and stuff. But it's totally worth it if you're fucking a touring comic or something, or you're traveling through the country and you're like thinking about going to St. Louis for this one reason. Fucking go to St. Louis because uh, they have this thing because it's like you know it's it's the middle of America and it's you know we used to make stuff yeah. right. The Ark thing. That's um, the only thing I know about them is that. But is the that reason there? the reason that it's there is because we used to oh. make like steel and shit, right? And right, right, right. We don't anymore. So there's this huge factory. <laughs> That where they used to make shit and uh, it shut down and so I can't remember the exact story but it's something along the lines of like some rich artist just like bought the building because they were going to like demolish it and instead of demolishing it he like turned it into like a it's like a fucking four or five story kind of like interactive maze art piece thing that you like like every room is to kind of a different theme and like there's you know like for example like i remember this one room you go in and there's like this fish sculpture like the kind that's coming out of the ground with the big mouth open and like you cr- and like water streams out of it or no like if you crawl into the mouth the fish's mouth there's like a little ladder and then you go down and you're in the coming into the ceiling of like another room so like it's all trippy what like the that fuck? it's fucking yeah. crazy and there's like three bars like you can just find bars inside of it if you just get lost in there enough and like there's um if you get to the top of it there's a slide that goes all the way down, like all the five stories, because uh, the slide is made out of like those big chutes that they used to send the you know different parts around in and shit in when it was a factory. <laughs> so it's all repurposed like that. And like there's just like you can get on the roof, and on the roof there's like you know an old school bus that somebody fucking donated. So what they did with That's it, awesome, is they drilled it into the fucking roof, but it's like hanging off the side of the building, so you can get inside the school bus and then go up into the front of it, and you're like literally hanging you're off the building like you're like sit in the driver's seat and you just look down and it's like you know nothing like drop right um shit like that there's like tons and tons of shit like that i went there with um some comics when i was touring it was like me chris cubis josh androsky and ben kronberg we all ran into each other and uh it was like it was like a thing that made my brain feel like it was on acid even though it wasn't you know it was just like so overwhelming and like stimulating it was fucking cool I love that. Uh, obviously, I've never toured, but when I used to go to comedy festivals a lot, my fucking favorite part of it was like not the shows, not the hangs. It was like straight up the fact that I would be free during the day. So then if I knew like three comics or whatever, I would just be like, hey, I'm going to go see the 
the tallest filing cabinet in America. <laughs> Do you want to come? Yeah. And then they would be like, yes, <laughs> especially the sober ones. <laughs> and I'd be like, great. So then we would just have this like fucking awkward road trip to go see the giant fucking filing cabinet in Vermont <laughs> or to go see like whatever. Uh, I went and made comics go see like the puppet museum in Atlanta. <laughs> like just fucking weird as shit. That's the most fun ever is just doing like a random field trip with comics on the road. Yeah, no, it's a great time. It's, yeah, I hate how much people fetishize like comedy as like an in group, like like for example, Dave Chappelle and his <laughs> massively stupid point about comedians being a, a people or whatever. But like, you know, just to some extent, it is very fun. Like comedians are just a fun group of people to go do yeah. stupid stuff that's entirely unrelated to comedy. With it's always a good time. Yeah, well, you know, before. They sell out to being trads. Well, okay, hang on. So <laughs> no, I'm I, just kidding, whatever. I was thinking about this. Uh, Squid Game, right? Ooh, okay. What if it happened with comedians? Who do you think would win? Ooh. <laughs> like, because I was thinking about how they formed, like, teams during it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, you're, who's your team? It's your podcast, right? It's, like, your people that you work with. Yeah, and then going through all of the permutations in my head of like, you know, do, do, do you think me and mm-hmm. Anders would who would win the dice game, etc. You know, um, oh god, I guess that means I'm the girl with the bad attitude who totally lose. But <laughs> uh, no, actually, that's funny because to me, if you think about it, the guy that won is the guy. He was like so overly like obsequious. Like I don't know. Do you remember like? For the majority, of, I was going to say the movie, but the majority of the series, every time he spoke about the other dude, I forget his name, but the one who's like the one who went to uh, the university yeah, and went and went to business school and he was the smartest guy from my neighborhood. Like he, you know, in a way, like it didn't read not genuine the whole time. You know yeah. what I mean? It wasn't like he was making fun of his friend. It wasn't even like they were friends. It was like he was being obsequious. Like he was being like, oh, I look up to you. I know that you're a person who represents something greater, greater. You know, you achieved a certain thing. I know your mom. She's so proud of you. Yeah. And the guy, he like simultaneously did think he was better than him and everyone else. But then he was like a fucking piece of shit. Right. You know what I mean? So I think there's a lot of comics who are really good at comedy and they think they're better than other people and they're pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean, which is not all of you. I mean, shut up, but there's some. All right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. And That's then why the this... guy, Yeah. And good. the guy who won, though, is a guy who is like in the middle, Jake. It's the thing I've always said where he's like. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Turn off the podcast oh. if you haven't seen Squid Game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, we'll put it, it at the beginning. I mean, keep Whatever, going. shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but he, like, um, played the game, the social game, right? Not just the game, the game. Yeah. Right? So he was, like, skilled and semi-skilled at the game. He wasn't bad. He figured out how to do the umbrella thing, right, with the licking. Yeah. He, like, he genuinely did survive on his own merit multiple times, right? Yeah. But it was also the fact that he 
figured out the social game of like being obsequious to the, towards the smart guy, keeping the old guy happy and part of him being a good person and caring about the old guy. So that keeps like wisdom around him, mm-hmm. you know, like it was the ability to be this middle ground guy who wasn't like, I'm going to be the best. I'm, I'm always going to win. But he actually was using the best from everyone around him. Yeah. Well, so the... The premise of Squid Game, if you're unfamiliar and if you don't give a shit about spoilers and you're listening anyway or whatever, <laughs> it's a pretty standard genre at this point that's been established, which is like the Battle Royale genre. There's a film called Battle Royale that's fucking awesome. That's like an old Japanese movie. It was like the first one. I didn't even realize that it was that genre. You're so right. Um, you know, and then The Hunger Games is like the yeah. big American one that we made or whatever. Yeah. And so this is like not anything that's... It's funny because this... this show like it's like the most streamed netflix thing they've ever made like it's like a phenomenon ever. and can i tell you something uh sorry to interrupt you but yeah. i work at a you know another fucking streaming other media company and uh-huh. they are like how do we get a squid game <laughs> like, <laughs> everybody's like how did netflix yeah. do this what's the fucking like why well because it is literally the most streamed thing ever fastest ever i'll tell you what i think right yeah. um and there's probably a lot more that goes into it than this, but like, like the reason I was saying is, oh, it's a, it's a battle royale thing, is that it's kind of funny because that is it's not a new idea. Like, if you were mm-hmm. to pitch the idea to somebody, they might go, yeah, like the Hunger Games, like that's already been done. So it's not like the story itself is incredibly original, but like what's done really well about it and what resonates so hard is that it is, and this is also not that new of an idea, it's just not usually this well done, I don't think, is that it is a microcosm for society, and so it shows you all these different types of people. It's pretty heavy-handed. There's, like, a Christian and a communist defector. Hunger Games, though. Yeah, sure. And it's, like, I say that as, like, a... I have no problem with this. I think it's totally fine to make, like, movies uh, movies and TV shows like this and stories and stuff. Um, And then there's, like, you know, a criminal. And then there's this fucking capitalist kid. And then there's... And so the main guy... I read a, a, a... Like, a analysis on this website called labor notes it's like a leftist you know fucking commie thing that maybe was looking a little bit too far into this but i think it's pretty clear and i wouldn't be surprised if this was intentional because of like the types of directors that are coming out of korea right now like bong joon ho saying all of his films are about capitalism and stuff like that totally so the the main character his background that he reveals at one point and you slowly learn over the course of the film is that he was a an auto worker and he got fired in this very violent strike breaking thing that happened. And this is a real thing that happened in Korea, like in 2009, 10, 11. Like, so it it all tracks like the the guy, you know, if you pay attention, he's saying this happened when my daughter was born, his daughter's about 10 years old. Like this is like the the real thing that happened. And in the wake of this violent, violent strike breaking that happened, people committed suicide. Like tons of workers were just, their lives were destroyed because what they did is the police came and they broke up the strike. And then they charged the cost of all the destruction of property that happened because of the, like the violence to the workers. So like they just had this insane thing saddled onto them and they were all like Like poor forever. Servants. Yeah. Yeah. So there's this huge debt problem in Korea and that's like the premise of why somebody would go join a squid game. Right. But then like in the thing, what's fun about it is you see, okay, who would survive this microcosm for like capitalism? Right. Is it, uh, is it someone who has faith? Is it a Christian? Is it a criminal? Maybe somebody who's just like going to work against the whole system or whatever. And yeah. like the idea, the reason I think it's like a leftist film or a leftist TV show or whatever is that so at least the argument that like this commie fucking rag was making was like the thing that 
helped this character transcend everything with solidarity and he like worked with other people instead of you know using these like short-sighted ways to to undercut his you know fellow worker and all this stuff and you know maybe that is true maybe it's not maybe it's what it was intended maybe it was not but the whole time i was watching it i was like man comedians would all just be like in a fucking meat blender in this thing because they're always undercutting each other and stuff and like it's it's understood that you don't work together and that you get your own or whatever so like you know if this was 20 of my fucking friends from stand-up it would be so it'd be a funnier like horror type thing because everybody would just be getting their comeuppance like so hard you know yeah. No, totally. Uh, absolutely. I agree with you. And I thought about the stand-up thing, too. But you know what's funny? Um, that's great. I love talking to you because, or like, you, you know, exchanging ideas because you <laughs> helped me clarify what I was feeling about Squid Game because I was even like, I don't know if I have anything to say about it. But then here's the real thing. I thought it was good. I thought it was fine. I do think it's leftist. Uh, I like at, at first watch, it didn't feel original to me in any way besides visually visually it was very fun to look at yeah it's it was cool. very colorful and like it had very um specific spaces every space was its own kind of universe kind mm. of thing uh so it was like visually very unique or at least for american I, i'm not an expert on korean or asian so right and uh but as far as like the themes or the characters it did seem like a thing where like oh you're you're doing this because of films that have already come out that are kind of already pushing this zeitgeist i guess right yeah but i just realized like that's not the issue the thing that i that like irked me maybe but then now i find charming and i like is that uh Squid Game seems to me to be the first optimistic and like hopeful version of this that I've seen because it does end on like, like, as you said, it is him being like cooperative, right? And trying to like save people that probably aren't the strongest and aren't, you know, like the best, the fittest and whatever the fuck, but he's going to sacrifice himself for them. But did you see the one? Fuck, I don't remember what it's called, but it's on uh, Netflix and it's the one. It's like the platform, I think it's called. Did you see that? No. Oh, okay. So it's like the same kind of thing as the one with the train, Snowpiercer. Oh, I heard it's right? good. Yeah, I haven't seen it. I remember this. Yeah, and it's good. But like the same thing as Snowpiercer, the platform. Like they all, they all also have this guy who's the leftist guy who is a communist who believes in like helping everyone around him and sacrificing himself and you know. Uh, I always want to say the Spanish saying, which is "otos en la cama, otos en el piso," which is either everybody in the bed or everybody on the floor. Yeah, which basically means like nobody gets to sleep on the bed while other people sleep on the floor. Right. You know, and um, Snowpiercer so, is Bong Joon Ho, so that, that makes sense. Yes, exactly, exactly. So the the guy that is leftist and cooperative and hopeful is not new, but the fact that he won is new. Yeah, Jake. Because all these other examples have been like, oh, no, we're fucked. <laughs> At <Yeah>. the end, like, <laughs> he did it for nothing and this is not good. And, like, even, like, the platform is super dark because uh, it is a guy. So the way that it works, like, a very quick summary of this movie, and you should still watch it, is that, uh, is it a series? or a movie? I don't know, whatever. But it basically is, like, this dude wakes up and he's, like, in a room in a cell, right? It's, like, a stone kind of room with a hole in the middle. Yeah. And it's him and another guy. And then once a day, this platform like goes up and it has all this food on it, right? And there's a number on the, on the wall. 
So basically what happens is every day you get drugged, you get gassed, and then they move you to different levels, to different floors. Uh-huh. The closer you are to one, the closer you are to when the platform gets filled up with food. Oh, man, okay? I love shit like this. Yeah. And the closer you are to 500 or whatever, the farther away you are from the platform when it gets filled up with food. Yeah. So whether 500 level people get to eat depends on whether floors 1 through 499 only eat what they can eat and not pig out to fucking not care about others because they don't know what floor they'll wake up on tomorrow. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it just is this whole thing of, like, the people within cells fighting each other, the people trying to move floors and, like, fucking each other over. And then, like, if you keep, if you try to hoard food, you know, like, keep it off the table because the platform keeps moving, right? So you only have as long as the platform is in your room to eat as much as you can. But if you, like, keep an apple, then you get punished. (laughs) You know what I mean? So then it's like super fucked up and then like the end of the movie whatever i'm not gonna spoil it for you but it is like this i think it's supposed to be hopeful but it's fucking totally not it's like a cop out where it's like maybe the next generation will figure it out (laughs) you know like so much art especially like after the cold war is like you see someone like artistically working out a theory of the universe and then it's like well the answer can't be that the leftist guy is, has a good point or mm-hmm. something so they just t- tack on some weird ass like question mark I, I guess no one knows how to fix anything yeah. kind of existential point exactly so you know what that made me like squid games more because i didn't know what was like itching at me that i was like why is it like corny <laughs> like i feel like it's corny <laughs> and then it's like that's why because it is hopeful and it even ends on like there's like an implication that there's going to be a second season where they're going to go after the institution that continues to run the game i hope so because i mean i, I liked it a lot but i thought the ending was like really kind of like, if they don't do a second part of it, weird yeah. ending, because it just kind of totally. is, like, nothing. And, like, I, I mean, as hopeful as you say it is, like, I still think it was kind of a downer, because, like, he does... Oh, yeah? He is miserable after he gets out and gets all the money, and, you know, that is still, like, leftist shit, you know? That is... The, the point yeah. is, like, winning the thing doesn't fucking solve anything, right? So, to me, that implies, second part of the story is, yeah, go destroy the thing, right? And that's a metaphor placeholder for, you know. But did we not just learn through the Hassan thing that for a lot of people, the answer is, well, I can't fix it, so I'll just spend all this money that I want through that game. Uh, And that's what he didn't do. Instead, he was like, fuck it, I'm going to go back, find one of these train dudes, get back on the fucking game, and go beat the fuck out of these people. Yeah, but I mean, he was, like, miserable because he lost everything that he would have spent the money on. No, he was miserable because of guilt, of survivor's guilt, that why did he deserve... Yeah, and that's like it's a good message because it's like inherent. Yeah, that's the same as in real life. Like you do not feel good when you make it out above ahead of everyone else. Case in point, fucking Dave Chappelle. You know, he could he could log off at any point and just go have millions of dollars (laughs) and like have a good time. But what does he do? He's fucking sitting here reading YouTube comments and getting fucking pissed off and shit and like he keeps, he keeps making specials where he's like this is the last time I will address this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and it's like what does that tell you it's just like Squid Game right yeah. like it doesn't you, 
you the myth of success you know is is uh when you get it you don't actually feel anything and like you feel yeah. that happens in comedy all the time too and like in in like artistic pursuits where like you just you fetishize this like moment of like oh when I win the local contest or when I get on Conan mm-hmm. or whatever and then like the next day you wake up and you're like oh no still feel like this <laughs> still like, here. <laughs> you know it doesn't actually do anything oh poor us I mean not me because I'm not an artist but you guys you know yeah also me, for other reasons similar but other <sighs> um. Yeah, no, that's terrible. But I mean, no, it was good. I'm glad that we did ha- touch on it briefly because that made me feel better actually about my thoughts on Squid Games. Uh, what else have you been watching? Well, Squid Game kind of reminded. Uh, also, that platform game thing you were talking about reminded me of Cube. Have you ever seen that? I think so. Remind me. That Cube familiar. fucking rules. It's like a sci-fi horror film, and it's uh-huh. the similar premise. Like a bunch of people just get knocked out, and they don't know why, and then they wake up, and they're in this thing, and it's like a cube maze. And when you know you try to cross to the other side of the room, this fucking razor blade thing flies through the room, and it cuts the person in half. And they're like, "Holy shit!" So they have to figure out ways to get through the thing without <laughs> every. I think I have seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. Every every yeah. um. Every room is a different fucking puzzle, and then they slowly start to realize the people in the... Because you, like, wake up with a jumpsuit that has your last name on it, and they slowly start to realize stuff about each other. I think some of them know each other in real life outside of the thing or whatever, um, and they're all, they all have backstories. But what's really interesting about it is that um, it was funded by the Canadian government. It's real <laughs> short, small budget because it's all filmed in one room that they just reset. Oh, the movie every time was funded it. by the Canadian government. Yeah, it's weird, right? And well, I uh, you meant like the little group within the movie. No, 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 the movie oh. itself. And uh, it's weird. All of their names are names of prisons in the real world, and it's like totally a statement about prisons. Like one of the characters is like a cop who's like real violent, and the prison he's named after is real famous for like abuse and stuff like that. And so it's this weird, weird, weird fucking, but the prisons are within Canada. I think they're all over or in America. I think they're all over the world or something like that. Oh, like okay, it's just okay. about private prisons or whatever in general. Okay. Okay. Um, but that one's that, I mean, cubes cool. And it's also got a bunch of sequels that get, you know, ex- exceedingly dumber as they continue <laughs> and stuff like that, which is a total horror thing. So I've been watching shit like that. And I also watched like, all of the Freddy Kruegers one day. I just decided to go to <laughs> them, and it was it was pretty funny. Um, oh yeah, man, research. <laughs> those fucking movies are really odd because, like, the first Freddy Krueger movie is dumb as shit. It's like, I mean, they're all pretty stupid, but it's like, a, it's bad, and b, he's barely in it, and it doesn't really explain <laughs> anything about him. And he doesn't really become the Freddy Krueger that we kind of know, who does like jokes and stuff until like the until like the third, third one movie. or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, Honestly, dude, that is so funny. No, go on, go on. I gotta tell you. I, I, I guess I, I, the, the whole time I was watching, I was like, why? There's like a parallax distortion here. Like, what? Why do I remember Freddy as the eventual product? And like, also, it's just kind of like, how did this happen? Because if you Everyone knows what Freddy Krueger is. Like, he's iconic. But if you yeah. watched the... If you showed the first movie to somebody who, like, wasn't from America or something, like, I wonder what it would fucking look like. Because it is... <laughs> they don't explain why he has a sweater and a hat and stuff. And, like, 
it is almost maybe it was scarier because they didn't explain anything. Like it was one of those things or something. But it's just <laughs> really weird. It's just like this unexplained movie about this like kind. Of, he's like an alien almost. Like he just shows up. He looks like that with no explanation. You kind of get a little bit of explanation, and then like, and then nothing. And like they kind of did the same thing with Halloween, where like they never explain why his face looks like that and stuff. And like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to articulate. Go ahead. Uh, fuck! I'm so high. So let me t- let me ask a stupid <laughs> question. Um, Freddy's a dream guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. 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 <laughs> great. 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 He's got a fedora so, and a sweater. Yeah. 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 I mean, I know his outfit, but I was asking about his narrative. So, like, here's the thing. Uh, what I've been watching is the Blumhouse. Okay. Right? Blumhouse. I don't know. Somebody tell me how to pronounce that. But basically, uh, Blumhouse. Blumhouse is like a production house that makes a lot of horror films that we are all familiar with, um, such as like what they made all the Jordan Peele shit. Like they made um, Us and Get Out. Yeah. Uh, they made Fantasy Island, which actually was kind of good, but weird. But we'll talk about that another time. Happy Death Day. Uh, they've made all the Purge movies, The Hunt, which cool, we've talked cool. about here. Uh, Split, which I actually like very much, and I know a lot of people hate, but fuck <laughs> you, you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> and whatever. So they've made like a lot, you know. They made. They also made that Black KKK Klansman movie. Weird. Okay. Uh, oh, and they made Glass. So they've made two out of the three. Oh, they didn't make, but they've made Paranormal Activity. So they made Glass and they made, uh, shit, what's the other one called? Uh, Split, but they didn't make the first one. The one with Bruce Willis, what's it called? Oh, um. Unbreakable. The Sixth Sense? No, (laughs) Unbreakable? (laughs) You've never seen Unbreakable? I know of it. I've never seen it. Oh, it's pretty good. So Unbreakable, um, what's funny is that Unbreakable is... I guess like a superhero movie, right? But then it has two parts after it because it's basically like an origin movie about a superhero and how he discovers his powers. Yeah. And then also how he meets his nemesis, right? And so then uh, there is uh, two, there are two other movies which I guess are made by this, by Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Let's say Blumhouse. And one is Glass, which is the one that tells you the origin story of the nemesis guy, which is Samuel L. Jackson. And then the other one is Split, which tells you the, the origin of another bad guy in this universe. But both of these are, like, closer and closer to horror, especially Split, you know, because yeah. it's, like, Split personality. But anyway, so anybody who's listening, now you get the idea of what this, this art film house does. And what they did, I've mentioned it before, I think. They did a thing a couple of years ago or, like, during the pandemic where they made a deal with Amazon Prime that they would make eight horror films exclusive for Amazon Prime in the next two years. And they've released eight so far, and I've watched most of them, right? And what's really interesting about it, uh, let me see, for Amazon Prime, is that, you know, there are some white <laughs> white horror films among these. I'm sorry, I don't know how else to put it, right? <laughs> and and this is like why your description of Freddy was really funny to me and like why it seemed like a good segue that I fucked up is because uh so these in these eight films there's a couple of like uh one is Latino and like very mixed, I guess, you know, like it has like a it's basically about old people. So it's interesting because a lot of white horror is usually about like teens. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? 
So that's kind of like unrelatable to begin with. <laughs> and then the second thing is a lot of white horror is situations that most of us would not find ourselves in. So I think like a lot of minorities find white horror funny. For yeah, because it's like you know? taking place at summer camp or something. Yeah, dude. And you're just like, this is so stupid. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, why'd yeah. you go in there? <laughs> yeah, you're just like, this is so fucking stupid. White horror it, is like, it's always set on the backdrop of like the peaceful suburbs or something. It has to be a comfortable situation. And then it's scaring you by totally. going, even here, this could happen. You know? I know. And about them like not fitting in and being singled out. <laughs> and like... It's just so stupid. You know what I mean? So, like, it's really fun. I love white horror films. <laughs> and, like, I think that we should call it a genre now, right? Totally, yeah. This is what the title of this episode should be, white horror films. <laughs> <laughs> because they are a thing that's, like, specific. I don't know. It's, like, very often uh, dealing with the psyche and this concerns of, like you said, like, middle class suburban America. Uh, it. The problems are just fucking stupid and unrelatable. I don't know. At least to those of us who don't live in that kind of like suburb kind of life, right? Yeah. And then Blumhouse is doing these movies where they are, because like I said, they have had a lot of success with things like um, all of Jordan Peele's work um, and whatever other movies that are not just white horror, I guess. Because um, some of the Purge movies are, I would dare to say, class conscious. Yeah, no, they're cool. (laughs) They're like... yeah. Yeah, so I think that they are, uh, like, everybody that I know that likes horror celebrates A24, and I guess I understand why, but I I think that A24 is more like an art house, like, look at us doing, like, a fucking fancy thing. Whereas Bloomhouse, I feel like, is doing the people's horror. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, like... uh, in all the Jordan Peele horror films, whatever you may think of it, Ma is hilarious, dude. It's so good. <laughs> it's fucking really I've funny. Never, and you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch it because <laughs> yeah, do it. it looked so bad. Like it is bad, but like <laughs> if you compare it to Freddy, oh yeah, Jake, yeah, sure. you'll be like, okay, Ma is like Freddy, but like for fucking people who had black people in their neighborhood or whatever, totally, you know, like totally. or, like it's a different version. It's a having a crazy person in your neighborhood who insists on like being your friend and being too friendly, and you're like, I think yeah. you might kill me. <laughs> yeah, and it's I really have great. a joke about this exact concept right now. Yeah, I'm not gonna give it away. Do you want to say it right now? No, okay. <laughs> it's about and... if there was a Mexican Candyman. I'll leave it at that. Ooh, exactly. Okay, so that's the thing. Is that this? I don't know why it's so hard to get a list of these fucking shits. Oh, here we go. Maybe we're gonna get one now. Um, okay. So there's a bunch. So there's Bingo Hell, which I watched. And this one is like about old people, right? And it's... Because uh, <laughs> they play bingo. <laughs> yeah, no, it's about old people in a town called Oak Springs, which is not... They don't really tell you where it is, but it seems to be in some kind of like, you know, uh, quickly gentrifying, economically dilapidated fucking place. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the locals are all uh, Latinos and black people and older people. And the one young guy that is like a local is, uh, you know, got out of jail and is sober and he runs the NA meetings kind of guy. So like everybody's like, you've been here for a long time, but you don't have a better place to be. And this is your home kind Mm -hmm. of people. So then the horror comes in where like the bingo hall is where they all kind of like commune. You get me? So they all go to play bingo. And then then all of a sudden this like force comes into town and it takes over the bingo hall and it makes it starts making promises about like people winning millions and thousands of dollars and whatever. 
So everybody starts coming and like gambling away their souls, basically. <laughs> and so it's like an extreme horror version of gentrification. And the fucking old people rally and fucking fight the evil. <laughs> and it's awesome. Okay. And then, so then it's like the hero is this old lady called Lupita. <laughs> and she's fucking rules. She's like super annoying and nosy. It's worth watching, dude. So then uh, it's weird because, cool. yeah, it you know, it's like... um it almost feels like, okay, I don't remember who said it, but it's like this thing where for so long, everybody who's not white has watched white media and we've learned to enjoy white stories, you know what I mean? And to be like, oh, you know, that's fun and that's interesting. This white person's imagination where they imagine that there are no black people or Hispanics in space, but hey, cool, <laughs> you know, it's still fun. Uh, so it is a little bit like asking, like, why can't you also see the enjoyment in the horror that is based around an experience that isn't yours and that criticizes society in a way that you had never considered because it doesn't affect you, you know, but it's still one of the things that sci-fi and horror are supposed to do, right? Yeah. So if you are supposedly a fan of horror and sci-fi, then you should be into this kind of shit, you know? So it's really interesting. So they And they're not all fantastic, but like, let me give you one. So then uh, they have one, Black as Night, which is kind of like a Black Buffy. I don't know. I didn't love it, but it's based in New Orleans. Watch that. The Manor, I haven't watched yet, but that's one of the white ones. <laughs> so that one is about some fucking old white lady who moves into like a home and then it's haunted or something. I don't know. Madres is the one I haven't seen yet either, but it's about like some Mex a, a Mexican-American couple who in the 70s, moves to California to have their baby and then like horrible shit starts to happen. Mm, I wonder what all the symbolism will be about there. <laughs> Great. Can't wait to see it. Um, and then the other ones were, hold on. Um, Evil Eye, I think I told you about because it came out last year. That one is an Indian one. It is by an Indian director and it is about a man, super interesting because it's just like a different kind of narrative and superstition that you're not used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this one, the premise is that uh, an Indian mother who has an American daughter or maybe British, right? I don't know, whatever. Basically like first generation somewhere white daughter. Um, the daughter has a boyfriend, finally, by which I mean like the Indian mom wished she had gotten married a long time ago. Right. You get me? So the, in, the daughter is like, oh, you know, I finally want you to meet him. He's great, even though she's successful and whatever, and she's doing great. The mom finally is happy that she has a boyfriend that she's going to bring home. And she tells her mom, like, oh, he is Indian. He's all the stuff you like, whatever. So the mom is, like, thrilled, right? And then the mom meets the dude, and she fucking basically has, like, a heart attack, Jake. And it's because she becomes convinced that the guy is the reincarnation of a man who tried to rape and murder her when she was a teenager. Whoa. Yeah, because they believe in, I hate to say they, but in Indian culture, they believe in reincarnation, you know, and like the evil eye following you across generations and stuff like yeah. that. So she becomes convinced of this, but then she tries to tell her daughter and her husband and they fucking think she's mad, you know? Yeah. So they start to try to like get her fucking hospitalized and this is where we're at. And then it's like fucked up. Like, look, my, I'm getting chills right now. It's so fucked up <laughs> because cool. she was not wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, you got to check it out. Very good. Um, so I don't remember. There's like eight of them. But, um, oh, the other one is Black Box, I think is what it's called, uh, which is about a black man, black director. I bring up the race because that's the whole point. Instead sure. It's being made by specific 
people um, where it's like he lost his wife and his daughter in a traumatic event and he just cannot live with the memories. So he goes to this person to try to get his memories erased and he gets trapped in this fucking like fucked up shit. So you got to see that. Yeah. Uh, and so watching this, it just gave me this realization, you know what I mean? Of like getting your stories told or hearing stories from a different point of view is so interesting because uh, so I, was, I think I mentioned to you before the podcast about the TV show Evil from CBS, which is pretty good and it's horror and it's funny, but it's like a Catholic show, right? It's like entirely based on like you have to accept Jesus <laughs> as a premise <laughs> and the devil as a premise and all of it for any of it to make any sense. Yeah. So then like watching some of these Bloomhouse movies, I'm like, I wonder if like a Hindu person watches something like evil, right? And they're like, oh, that's really funny. <laughs> that Satan like <laughs> popped out of this fucking, you know, like, and if they're still scared by it and if it's so, cause I was like so scared with this evil eye movie. I was like, oh my God, oh my God. What if somebody would try to murder you? <laughs> it like reincarnates and keeps trying to murder you. That's for, fucking horrifying. Yeah. Uh, but then it made me feel like, you know, like watching um, every white horror film, which is about completely unrelatable things. Like, dude, prom queen shit. I know. And like, <laughs> I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Or like uh, even stuff like Scream and uh, what did you do last summer? Or what I know what you did last summer. Yeah. Uh, they're like these like they're placed in these like little perfect towns where rich white people get to coexist around like working class people but it's still like we all know each other and uh, some of us are like the cool prom queen and some of us are the football player never in my life like i have no idea i've never yeah. met people from there well <laughs> like, you know i mean the thing is like i like those movies but like i, I know love what them. you're saying because yeah. they're they're like they're totally enjoyable but what's annoying is it's the same thing I, I've been fucking talking and doing podcasts about the Chappelle thing all week or whatever. And something that I kind of figured out, like a way to articulate it, is like the problem I have with like the Chappelle special is not even that it's that I have a problem with what he's saying, with the story that he wants to tell. It's that every special is the same special. And so like with white culture being like dominant like that. I totally enjoy the idea of juxtaposing like the suburbs with terror. I understand it. I don't not from the totally, suburbs, yeah. but I can get it. The problem is that it's every movie because of how like marketing and stuff like that works. Yeah. You know? Like that should be one of there's so many different things that you could make a fucking story about. But like totally. there's this idea, I guess, behind that stuff that is a little offensive, which is that I think it considers itself to be more archetypal than it is. And you mm -hmm. see that within like... Or universal. Yeah. Yeah. Like, in like meta horror. Like, have you ever seen yeah. Cabin in the Woods? Like, it's good. Yeah. But like... I like it a lot. It's kind of the mythology in Cabin in yeah. the Woods is based around this idea that like all of the the tropes in horror are like these eternal ancient things or whatever. Yeah. Like the final girl. Like, oh, this is something that's like uniquely rooted to... Uh, humanity, but like maybe it's not. Maybe it's white people shit, you know. And yeah, we're just assigning it to be like eternal. And there's just all these different things you can do, you know. Yeah, totally. It's extremely Western focused. Me personally, because, yeah. I don't like subtle horror. I'm just fucking bored by it. Sometimes it could be great, but like I've watched like a few things 
that it, where I almost felt like it was like oh, this is too respectful of like some other cultures. Like I watched La Llorona last year, which is like mm-hmm. you know that's a cool fucking Latin boogeyman. Like yeah, I haven't seen it. It's not good. We have. It's fine. It's just really fucking slow. So if, uh. what I like is when there's like fun shit like when you're allowed to do yeah. fun shit that is from the perspective of like not living in the suburbs or like living in yeah. the city or something like that and shit like that you know yeah yeah totally uh no i know and that's um to i guess provide a, ca- a caveat for that bingo hell movie um ugh, i don't know how to say this like okay I try to be resistant to putting art or artists on a relativism scale, right? Because it is not anthropologically sound to do so. Everybody doesn't, quote, develop on a line of progression in the same way. You know what I mean? Like, everybody does whatever they want. We are rhizomes. We are not, like, Jake is not on step seven and comedian who just started is on step three. You literally all are doing whatever the fuck you want, right? Yeah. So I hesitate to frame this or maybe I just like don't know the right way to frame it but sometimes in art especially I guess like non-white art produced for western audiences I guess let me be specific it does feel sometimes like it is go it is placing itself I guess into a timeline where it is saying like, oh, we have to go baby steps and do like this early version of horror first before we can go crazy and do like what we actually think is good experimental horror. You get me? So like in Mexico, there is good experimental horror happening. But in America, the Latin horror that we are being shown is most often this like safe, like, oh, you know, like for white people kind of thing. You get me? Yeah. So it is it is not as daring and it doesn't push as many boundaries. It only pushes the boundaries in certain ways. So like Hell Bingo, you know, it had all these like uh, Mexican and Latin American actors that are known from novellas and other stuff. So that's super cool. It had a lot of older actors that are of different races that, you know, it's hard enough for older people to be like really featured in stories and stuff like that um the director is latino i think mexican-american woman um it it's telling a whole different story that we haven't seen in horror it's visually also very stunning and interesting and very colorful in the mexican way i think but the horror story itself right is very basic and it is very like the gang gets together and beats evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And there's a very clear, like, this is bad and this is good. This is g- evil. This is good. Whereas I think, uh, I guess I now like horror that is beyond black and white, evil and good, you know, and it actually is in a place where it's... Um, complicating the idea of good and evil you know is making it hard to tell who the good guy and the bad guy is it's putting it on the audience to consider the ethics of the situation things like that's why to me like a saw is awesome all the saws are awesome (laughs) because there is no good guy in saw literally all the people getting chopped up chopped up they're getting chopped up because they did horrible things yeah 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 (laughs) 
but also the guy chopping them up is not a good person. Nobody should be like, yeah, he's cool. He should chop people up. So it's not good. But then it just has you in this fucking fucked up space where you are just enjoying the gore and the horror of the action and getting to feel ethically and like morally superior while also not being confronted with having to identify good and evil. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. very uh decentering. And I think that's what part of what makes it scary and fun and thrilling. And so it almost to me feels like if I were gonna be a relativist, I would put that kind of like saw morality movie farther along in the horror timeline than I would something like Hell Bingo or Big O Hell, right? Because it is still embracing very primitive and archetypal versions of where horror goes. Yeah. You know, does that make sense? So I don't know. So like, I do feel like, okay, everybody should be watching these movies, but even like, uh, you know, even in stand-up, where sometimes for many of the reasons that we've discussed of like industry rushing to try to like fill a quota and all these things, for many reasons, sometimes we end up seeing like minority comics get stuff, get elevated, get put on things. And we know as people have seen them for a couple of years that they're not ready and they don't have material and they're not that funny. But the person giving them the opportunity is just like, oh, I just need to put these people up. So then it's like, yeah, you know, they are moving something forward. I'm totally going to get canceled. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they are not moving the spectrum they're not moving to the farthest end of the spectrum. They're like a middle ground triumph or success. You get me? These Does are, that make sense? These are bingo hell type people is what you're saying? Yes. Okay. Yes, that is what I'm saying, which is still good and you should go watch them. But <laughs> Yeah. But, like... <laughs> but the, but the, the, the counter example would be like Julio Torres. Julio Torres is not a bingo hell. Julio Torres was a get out, like right out, right out of the gate. Yeah. Right? Like immediately was like oh here's a thing you've never seen before (laughs) within the genre of what i'm doing that almost breaks the genre of what i'm doing and i do believe that there's like a lot more of that within black and latino and non-binary and you know all these types of artists but the systems make it so that you have to be like this appealing bland version of who you really are in order to appeal to the mostly white western That's the audience. secret thing that shapes all this, like the invisible yeah. factor that completely pushes everything in certain directions and makes things confusing because what like what I was saying earlier about how white horror presents itself as being archetypal, right? Well, an argument you could make for it being archetypal is that it's so ubiquitous. But why mm-hmm. is it so ubiquitous? Because we live in America and focus groups then tend towards white audiences because they are middle class and spend money. And yeah. so it shows them what they want to hear. And that's honestly what I've been telling people about Chappelle is like, yeah. you're misdiagnosing what he's saying as being really important. Because the only reason it's so ubiquitous and so many people are like, you know... Like, it seems like it's, like, this epochal moment in time or whatever where it's, like, this huge good point is because we're living in, like, crisis. And so, and we don't have, like, solidarity and class consciousness. So the scapegoat of cancel culture is this thing that is very attractive to a lot of people. So the type of comedy he's doing right now is not 
the best type of comedy and it's not it's only one of a lot of different things you can do with comedy but it's yeah. selling a lot which is causing mm. you to do the same thing i'm talking about with these horror films where you're saying well it must be really true it must be really yeah. important and it's like no 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 you're using you're letting the invisible fucking way that the market shapes things make things seem more important than they actually are it just sells a lot to middle class people because they fucking buy everything and right now all those people think this dumb shit that he's talking about you know yeah and it just sucks because when you look at this and you're like man you can do anything like every fucking thing is like a blank page and there's all these things you can do but we let ourselves get beaten down into thinking that there's only a few things you can do because those are what gets rewarded in what the market wants. Yeah. yeah. Cause it all comes down to dollars, you know? Yeah. And that's why ultimately like, I don't know. I mean, I respect everybody has to make a living or whatever, but I am always going to hold the artist who does what they want because they want to even if it goes against their audience, higher than those who continually give their audience what they want. What about the artist that uses their friend's uh, kidney Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck all those people. I hate all, I hate all of them. I hate all of them. We got, we got to talk about Bad Art Friend for like a little bit. Okay, I, you tell me what you think. I'm I gonna, love okay. it. I, <laughs> the whole story was just so fucking funny because like... I mean, it's kind of like one of these saw things you're talking about. Like, the more yeah. I read it, I'm like, everyone involved in this fucking should sucks. Die. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. like, if anyone totally. doesn't know, Bad Art Friend is this piece that came out in the New York Times recently, and it's like, it's kind of like a cat person type thing. Like, it went really viral. And it's like this story about these two writers, and they sort of like went to this writer's workshop. And the first woman, this white woman, was sort of under the impression that everyone there really liked her and it, like they kind of actually didn't but she's like clearly a big narcissist and wasn't really thinking and so she <laughs> just thought she was the star of this place and she wasn't and she <laughs> which is so funny <laughs> no it was, what a tragic character like it's this should I know. be this should be a movie know, like it's so funny um but like she <sighs> so she wrote this thing at one point uh like, I guess she invited a bunch of the people that she was assuming she was friends with from this workshop to, like, a Facebook group she made. And it was a group about the fact that she had gotten into this idea of deciding to donate her kidney, like, to, just to science. Like, th there's this program you can do where instead of donating your kidney to a person you know, you just donate a kidney. And that, you know, there's a need for that because, like, people need organs and they don't always have a donor and so yeah she did it's it more altruistic because you're not doing it for somebody you love you're just doing it for a human who needs a kidney right but like yeah clearly it was not altruistic clearly she was I... doing it for like for the cred or for the you know for the sanctimonious brownie points and stuff because she like made this group about it and then wrote this long thing that was like I decided to do this because there's so much injustice in the world this performative yeah. you know white people shit and Wait, she also included that because she had grown up, like, without the familial connections of, like, parents and a family <laughs> because they abandoned her, that she didn't feel like it had to go to a person that she was related to. She uh, had more empathy for the strangers. Yeah, well, good for <laughs> than, you. Yeah, than regular people. And it's like, yeah. if she really felt that way, she would not have written any of this stuff. She would have just, just done it without done it. telling yeah. people. So, like, it's really funny, right? And so no, nobody, like... Um, nobody 
you know, responds to the Facebook group invitation and it like makes her like, huh, what? Weird. Why don't people want to hear my story? My kidney. And then later on, she finds out one of the people that she was in that group with, who is an Asian woman, wrote a story and the story. So they're both Asian women, to be clear, right? They are. No, I think the original, the first woman, the kidney woman's white. No, she's she's Asian also. Don something. She's also Asian, I think. No, I think she's white because the critique yeah. of her in the in the other woman's like story is that it's white savior bullshit. You could still have white savior bullshit even though you're both. All Asian. right. Well, Jamie, look it up. Look it up, Jamie. Or, yeah, yeah. You keep talking. I'll look it up. <laughs> no, I. Well, I'm, I'm literally just gonna Google both Asian. <laughs> 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 no, because there's a third woman who's also who's Asian. So there's oh, two okay, Asian okay. women in okay. this. But she's a friend of the, the yeah. writer. No, see, oh, Sonia. Yeah. Sonia is the one who's a Chinese American. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Larson. Oh, that's Larson. Oh, Dorlin is white. Okay. Yeah. You're so correct. You are correct. Got it. So Continue. She, she writes this. So the one who gave the kidney is a white lady, and the one who made a story about her is the Asian lady. Well, glad we cleared that up because I think it's like integral yeah. to the story. Because Yeah, no, you're right. Because I was totally thinking they were both Asian ladies. Because an Asian woman writes this story, and it's about, it's like, you know, eerily similar to, she has a friend, like there's a person in the story who is a white person who is really sanctimonious about the fact that they donated a kidney and stuff. And it's like <laughs> clearly about this woman. And so the white woman is like, she never answered my email, but she went as far as to write this story. Like what's going on here? <laughs> and she, <laughs> then like the Asian woman, the writer, you know, kind of dodges her for a while. and goes like, hey, hey, it's a coincidence. You just pull details. If I, maybe I was inspired by it, but I, you know, not consciously or whatever. And then like the white woman becomes obsessed and mm -hmm. starts, you know, like Googling everything about it and like kind of stalking her and stuff and trying to prove like, no, you wrote this based on me. Right. And you're just being a dick about it. And she like <laughs> finds so much more sense to me now. <laughs> <laughs> she finds a copy of it. That's got like, it's like a like um, exact re uh, rewording or whatever of or not rewording. It's like the exact copy of her, her letter that the, she wrote in her Facebook group about her yeah. familial relations. And Which okay, to be clear, the letter was a letter that she wrote to the potential the person who would receive her kidney. Yeah, this matters, Jake. <laughs> so it was that I guess as a as a kidney. Uh, donor, you get the option to like write a letter to the person who ends up receiving your kidney. And so she wrote a letter that was like, you know, I did this for you and thinking of you living and being happy brings me the most joy, whatever the fuck. And then even worse audience, <laughs> <laughs> she posted that letter to the Facebook group. Yeah. So then the, Woman Sonia, who was a writer, right, in her writer's group and also in the friends group, included some of the words from that ridiculous letter yeah. <laughs> in the story that she wrote about a person who did a kidney donation. So when the white lady found that, she had kind of definitive proof. Like, you've been mm -hmm. dodging me. You've been kind of bullshitting me. This is clearly a story that you took my letter and like me and it's like about me right and she kind of busts this woman because she clearly did that but like then like the writer starts to go well this is where the term bad art friend comes in is like listen 
this is how writing works. You know, you pull things from your life and stuff like that. And you are. I just love that. I just love that. White horror is the perfect title. For this <laughs> yeah. episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> and she's like, just to rationalize her way out of it and go like, you are being a bad art friend. You're not being good to the artistic process by interrogating this so much. But it's yeah. like, no, you got caught and you lied about it. So totally, like, yeah. you can't just accuse this. If you you sh- you're lying, like you should have told her up front. I wrote this about you. Like I used you for this thing. Okay, so let me ask you something. Uh, you are a comedian, <laughs> as yeah. we all know. So like, okay, we all know about like the premise or the fucking like ongoing narrative of like uh whenever people meet comedians they're like oh are you gonna are you gonna include me in your skits are you gonna talk about this in your jokes are you gonna make jokes about me and then comedians their fucking go-to is like ugh, like i like you're even interesting i would even make jokes about you yeah and so that's really annoying right but the reality as you just said is art is made from your experiences and the people that you know in your life and fucking shit that happens so have you a ever written a joke that is actually about a direct person or experience with a person and then had and then B have you had them recognize that and confront you about it? I don't think so because I don't really do that type of comedy. I don't think. But I've had hmm. like people, <laughs> people do, do comedy about, about me. <laughs> yeah. And like uh you know just exes and shit like that and like uh it's you're pretty annoying but there is this kind of question <laughs> hanging over it where it's like well you know that's that her experience what comedy so, is you, yeah. ever, you know you're allowed to do that or whatever it's yeah i think it's rude but it's like not <laughs> unallowed in comedy or whatever so like yeah i guess um i don't know i mean honestly the thing that this made me think about more than mm-hmm. stand-up was uh like group chats and stuff like that and like private facebook groups and stuff like this where you make fun of someone and then you get caught and that happens a lot <laughs> like i used to be in one when with these fucking austin comics i eventually left because i was just like this is like, they screen grab you and tell on you is that why yeah it's horrible and like it's everyone lies to themselves and try to tries to say like oh this is actually healthier to do it this way or whatever but it's like no it's a base impulse it's like hedonistic and destructive and gross but like so like what would happen is you'd be in this facebook group and you would do screenshots and like post uh you know lol look at this dumb motherfucker like this thing they said or whatever but every once in a while somebody would fuck up and post it to their main facebook and they would get caught making fun (laughs) of somebody or whatever and like you know it's funny like it's undeniably funny but i noticed when like when bad art friend came out People were talking about that a lot. They were talking about, like, gossiping and stuff like that. And some yeah, people yeah. were saying, I never gossip. What the hell is wrong with you people? Why are you Liars. all talking about gossiping? And then some people were saying, like, I noticed some people clearly had done this so much that they then had to rationalize and go, like, um, it's better to say things behind someone's back than to their face. Um, you know, so uh, the lesson is I don't think that you should, like, you, you don't want to know what everyone thinks about you. Like, you should just mind your own business because... People are going to say things about you. But (laughs) I don't believe the people, when they say that, actually do that. Like, these people are highly sensitive and everyone, you know, hates this or whatever. I think it's just, I think people like to be bullies and they can't just live with themselves and go, I'm kind of a bad person. They want to rationalize it and go, no, this is actually good that I'm, I'm, 
spend all day online in a private group chat making fun of some person who like is objectively hilarious like like this I white yell at all those people like okay uh number one uh they're not mutually exclusive people out there you can gossip when it's appropriate or desirable and you can also say things to people's faces when it's appropriate and desirable and here's the thing also i think a lot of people who have this stance of like you should say things to people's face they seem to think that like okay like if i have a problem with you jake and i say it to your face and we talk about it that that now means i am not allowed to discuss it with other people because that would defame your character and your reputation right yeah and that's just not how fucking life works the way life works is I had an experience with this person and now I am going to tell my friends about it and I'm going to have a conversation with people, not for the purpose of maligning this person, but because I'm sharing an experience that I had and because, hey, you should know this person in your life does this kind of thing. You get me? And third, the anybody who maligns gossip as a form of communication is a misogynist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there because not just a misogynist, but probably leans fascist <laughs> because wow. if you are okay. anti-gossip, what you are really saying is that you only believe in some kind of quote, official form of communication that has been fucking predetermined with rules and laws set by whom exactly by men by the government who's telling us how we're supposed to communicate information about our experiences with a person yeah so if the way that most people especially most women choose to communicate their experiences with people is to tell their closest circle hey i had a negative experience with this person and now i think that you should keep them away from me or protect me from them or be be weary or wary, whatever. I don't know. The wary, I think. Uh, <laughs> then that is also a completely valid form of a communicating about your social world as much as filing a fucking res- uh, restraining order or getting a divorce or taking somebody to court, <laughs> right? All that yeah. bullshit that fucking white fascist men want you to do. Don't side with the white fascist men. Well, here's where I think uh, power comes into it. Because, yeah. like, you're talking about women gossiping about guys. Sure, that's, like, ne- socially necessary. Absolutely, right? But what about when it's a bunch of guys privately, like, cruelly gossip, like, making fun of, like, a person lesser than them? Like, a, you know, like a woman or something like that. Like, then it's a little bit... I don't see I don't no. see that as gossip like functioning like as a protective thing like I've done this is what I'm saying like I have things I don't feel I know good but I about. don't I don't think that's gossip like uh well, you know women can also spread malicious rumors and fucking be shitty and have the intent to actually harm a person that's not gossip and I think that's the problem is people conflate the idea of passing on first-hand information or second-hand I heard a story about somebody's behavior with maliciously spreading lies about someone. Right. So that's the thing. There's a and distinction that's to be not made. Gossip. There's a distinction yeah. to be made here, right? There's yeah. like gossip and there's just like like um, you know, this other thing where you're just like yeah. kind of being cruel for fun. But with the story in Bad Art Friend, I think it's important mm-hmm. that the first person is white because uh you I think that person's failure is that they're from such a privileged point of view they need to accept that like you go around you talk about how you donated your kidney 
Maybe not everyone's going to write a story about it, but people are laughing at They're you. Like, laugh about people it, yeah. are talking about it, and you can't control that. And that's why she reminds me of Dave Chappelle, right? I made a meme about this where, like, I just put in the yellow, like, uh, letters, like, closed captioning him going, and she didn't even care that I donated my kidney. Because, like, he just reminded me of this fucking <laughs> person with the story because, yeah. like, he's, he is fucking what's her face because, like, he, he's obsessed with the fact that somebody wrote a thing that's critical of him to the yeah. extent that he's clearly trying totally to figure right. out a way to stop it from existing and you fucking can't people are allowed to talk about the things that you publish that like mm -hmm. on purpose you're putting things out in public they're allowed to put them out in public too you're just clearly dealing with the fact that like you want to have it both ways you want to be able yeah. to say everything you want to say but then like literally like go to the but extent have privacy of, and like yeah like take legal action and stuff like that like, this the, the story yeah. then gets like later on it gets into like lawsuits and stuff where they're like what is intellectual property like when does it cease to be plagiarism and become like a you know a new product when you change enough yeah. parts of it and all that sort of stuff you know and it's interesting but like outside of it i think the base urge is that this woman is and it's not as though like i don't know i mean i think also the the asian lady that's making fun of her is maybe positioning <laughs> herself also a little bit like on some egotistical thing where she's like a hero for making fun of this woman. No, totally, because <laughs> like, at any point, like you said, she could have just been like, "Yeah, man, I read your letter. I thought it was stupid, and I fucking it it, it sparked something, and I wrote a f fucking short story that included a similar sentiment." Like that's it. I don't even know you. It actually. Uh, so I kind of identified with the shitty Asian lady, not with the shitty white lady, <laughs> <laughs> because um, only at the beginning. Right. Because of uh, my situation with tweeting about my upstairs neighbors, mm -hmm. <laughs> because I was just like, I enjoy my life. And I was like, I'm going to make a fun tweet, making fun of my neighbors who are annoying. <laughs> and then they fucking found it and they <laughs> got so upset and they turned it into this whole thing where they're like tweeting our text messages being like, I am a false liar who was nice to their face. <laughs> And then it turns out I was tweeting about them and humiliating them in public, even though I never said their name. And here's the thing. I, like, never apologized. And maybe I could have. But I, I really don't feel sorry about it, right? So I didn't. But I recognized, like, okay, this is the thing that hurts people's feelings. So I'm not going to do it in case they're still looking at my tweets. I'm not going to tweet about them. Like, I'm not trying to start some shit with some fucking stupid neighbors that take everything personally, Right. She didn't even do that, the fucking Asian lady in this story. She was just like, yeah, no, I'm going to keep publishing it. <laughs> I'm going to keep doing readings. I'm going to keep fucking putting it on the internet and never once, like, address it with you. And if you're going to keep putting it out there, then you do have to acknowledge it at some point and just be like, yeah, man, you don't have the right to tell me I can't be, in be inspired in a certain way by your ridiculous fucking letter. <laughs> yeah. But... My bad if it hurt your feelings. It wasn't my intent. Yeah. You know? I, so I think this is the most relatable story of, like, the time we're living in. Because, like, everyone is both of these people all of the fucking mm -hmm. time, man. Everyone is trying have to have it never, both ways. Jake, I will swear. I never, nobody, listen, people who listen to this podcast, I never want to know what anybody's saying about me. Do not send me. I don't have Google alerts. I don't I don't want to know. I don't give a fuck. Everybody's free to have their own opinions. I live my life very happily. <clears throat> don't take their fun away from them if they hate me. It's fucking fine. Yeah. So I do not relate at all with the lady who couldn't let it go and had to keep fucking finding out and investigating and then getting a lawyer and all the shit. I absolutely do not relate. <laughs> 
but I do relate with potentially being shitty in the way that the writer Asian lady was. Yeah. I just feel like I've had so many comics do this thing that this white lady's doing to me. Or I've had so many comics who are like uh, per- perfectly, you know, free. Like they feel perfectly at liberty to be like r- rude and like make fun <laughs> of me. But then if I do it back, it's like. Oh, why didn't you text me privately or whatever? It's like, oh god, yeah. No, you. We've all entered into this thing known as writing, where mm-hmm. like you get to fucking, do, you know, you get to talk about people, and we're all doing it to each other. It's supposed to be a two way street, but privilege is a thing where you you feel like it's no, it's everything I do is fine, and anything that makes me feel uncomfortable is like a thing that I need to investigate or interrogate yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think that's funny. I've ta- I've told you before. I've had multiple people, just even like comics, will DM me or text me like a picture of my tweet and be like, "Oh my god, is this about me?" and be furious. Psychotic behavior, Jake. <laughs> Psychotic. Who does that? Never in my life. Even if I read a tweet, especially you know, comics make jokes about bookers or whatever. Even like it could be a comic that just did my show yesterday, making a joke about a booker in Brooklyn. <laughs> And I still would be like, okay, this must not be about me. <laughs> and then just let it go. <laughs> because I'm not, what am I going to screen grab it and text the cop? Is this about me? Are you mad at me? Uh, what did I do? What the fuck is wrong with you? Get a fucking life. <laughs> insane. <laughs> insane behavior. Uh, it's been friendship ending behavior for me, frankly. Yeah. yeah for me, it's-, it's just, it's like revealing of like a fucking. Uh, infirmity in the mind <laughs> i don't know how else to put it <laughs> yeah but i mean have you ever had anyone just tweet like i hate luisa diaz for these reasons <laughs> no that's, like, different. that's different that's different that's different like so- i guess uh oh oh i did sort of uh mm, ray sani not a fan <laughs> and <laughs> what i would say this. is yeah whatever i don't give a shit uh, people who people who like her will hear this uh but whatever not a fan comic or person uh but uh she like uh, it was weird because it was like a thing this is like not shit talking but it's a weird good example of this <laughs> where um you know known her for years or met a long time ago funny enough comic fine i for various other reasons did not feel like she i should book her all the time and we were just never friends, and I thought that was fine. We still had a working relationship. I booked her sometimes. And then one day she, like, tweeted something, uh, like, throwing shade at me or whatever. So I just replied to it directly because it was public, you know? She, like, quote-tweeted me throwing shade. So I'm like, what, am I going to DM you about this or text you about this? No, bitch, you fucking put it publicly out on the Internet. So I replied, and I questioned, you know, her logic of what she was saying here and whether she actually wanted to say this to my face and whatnot. And she just didn't reply to it. So... You're all a bunch of bitches who don't actually want to say shit to people's faces. But then if I actually, like, express my experience with this comic, whether it's on this podcast or talking to somebody else about it, then that's me being mean <laughs> and talking bad about it. No, I, I try to deal directly with the person. Like, I am not a fucking crybaby who's like, oh, my God, I'm going to send you a screen grab of my tweet and see why you don't like me. No, let's fucking talk about it. Oh, you don't want to talk about it? Okay, well, now it becomes an experience that I had with this weird comic who I've mostly seen fucked up out of her mind and then all of a sudden starts <laughs> tweeting about me being mean to her or something. <laughs> so, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Does that make sense? I think it was connected. I do think it was 
it doesn't sound by, like by the way I wrapped it up, but I do think it was. Yeah. No, I mean, this stuff kind of, it's like, it it makes the, the mind reels, you know, because it just goes in circles like, I quote tweeting plays into this, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. like quote tweeting versus doing a screen grab of Thing. someone. Yeah. Like I've seen people do screenshots and then the person sees it. And the person yeah. who tweeted it goes, I literally screenshotted it so it would be harder for you to see this. So, yeah, you because know. I have the right to comment on something you said publicly. I'm not trying to invade your space or fucking fuck with you or cause a fucking disagreement or a conflict. You know what I mean? Like, that's what yeah. I don't get. When people, like, will reply and, like, at the person that you were talking about, for example, right, to, like, tattle, they think that you're not mentioning the person or quote tweeting the person because you're like scared to tell them the truth when it's like no i can have an opinion about j-lo <laughs> and put her fucking out there and i don't have to tag j-lo same thing i can have an opinion about fucking tim dylan and i don't have to tag tim dylan i don't understand why you morons think that it all has to be this like face-to-face man-on-man combat <laughs> his <laughs> fans do that to me all the time because yeah. i screen grab him because he blocked me and so then they tag him and it's like he blocked me he can't see mm-hmm. it like he be did that i didn't fucking do it that's why i'm fucking doing it it's so stupid man that people don't worry he is seeing it uh because i've blocked a lot of people and so that happens where people will tag me and then i can still see the people that blocked because you can like it'll be like this is from an account that you blocked yeah but then it'll be like do you want to view it? <laughs> I mean, like, yes. <laughs> and so then you can see the tweet anyway. So Tim's totally looking at your tweets. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm sure he is. Yeah. 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 I don't know. But anyway, I do think this episode should be called White Horror. <laughs> For sure. Definitely the title. Oh, uh, man. I don't know. Bad art friend. I love it. I think it's so stupid. It, may, it makes me kind of want to log off. and Because it's just a, a real life, long, drawn out version of a Twitter fight. Yeah. It's the same fucking thing. Totally. With lawyers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, man, things used to happen in real life like this. It's so funny. It's so funny. I know. I know. So let's all be grateful that we can just block each other. Everything will be fine. Um, okay. Well, that's pretty much all I want to talk about. <laughs> Uh, I just thought Bad Art Friend was very why you mad. It, it, the implications are all there. It's about comedy. It's about everything. Will you remind me? Was there a resolution? Uh, the no, end right? of the it's story just like still in the air? is like the white lady like goes to events where the Asian right. woman is like reading this story and she's like there and then like she sees her get visibly like a uh, you know kind of weirded out on stage and she's like good i have a right to be here you know (sighs) and then but it's interesting because it's like it's such a tragic story because you know like fuck this white lady but also this other woman is like capitalizing so hard on this story it's like the her career has been made off of this story which is like i mean it's sad on both sides though because it's also super sad that like the white lady it's terrible also that we don't know their names i think it's sonia and don (laughs) don is the white lady uh it's also very sad that don uh because remember that originally they met through being in a writer's workshop together so they both had aspirations to be writers yeah it's very sad that Don just like stopped writing or doing anything to just fucking follow Sophie. What's her name? Sonia. <laughs> Sonia around <laughs> uh, and like be obsessed with whether or not because it's not like. OK, also something that we should explain for anybody who didn't read the story is that 
Um, the whole story that Sonia wrote is not just about like, oh, I donated a kidney and I posted a Facebook post. <laughs> you know, it's not like her just being like, it's Don's story. It's a whole other story about like white savior and fucking other shit, you know, it's that so- happens to have the, the letter. Yeah. As something that the character who donated a kidney wrote. So I can see very clearly that like Sonia wanted this like weird letter and this weird aspect of wanting validation for giving the kidney to be a, an aspect of this character's personality. But it's not the whole entire story. You get yeah. Me? So, yes. You're right. It sucks that like her only successful thing is a thing that is marred by like you took someone else's experience, I guess, in certain ways. But I don't really think that's valid. I think Dawn is a sadder person. She's definitely never worse. Created again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I haven't read the story in the story, yeah, but like that's it did. True me it did yeah. sound the way they described it as a thing that is like a saw thing. Like everyone, yeah. it kind of. Shows their shortcomings, which to me that's a better story than yeah. than like if it was just a heavy-handed like you know takedown of this lady, and then like the stand-in character for Sonia is like great and whatever. Like that would be stupid, right? But it sounds like yeah. the end of the story is kind of like because p- part of it is so the stand-in character for the author is an alcoholic and then gets into a car accident and then gets the kidney from the lady. But then in the end, she like can't quit drinking or something like that still. And she like lets her family down. And it's like, yeah, you know what this sounds like? Maybe a complex story about like how all of these people have faults or something like that. So like that might actually be, you know, a, a good story and B not layered yeah and like you can't really accuse just because she used a character from her real life as like part of this story doesn't really qualify as as like plagiarism plagiarism or something like that like it's fine but like it's just so funny because that's what i want to say to josh and amanda me making a tweet about (laughs) my upstairs neighbors is not the same as me tweeting about josh and amanda being annoying Right? It's not the same as me adding you. <laughs> okay, sorry, go on. <laughs> well, I was going to say, is like, I bet that this Dawn lady would be... Is that her name? Dawn? Uh, Dawn, yeah. I bet that if she had found out that someone who read a story about her without her permission that made her look great, she wouldn't be like, hey, I didn't give you permission. She'd be like, yeah. great, you know? That's a good point, yeah. So what's really going on here is, are you concerned with plagiarism or is it just... That like that you're embarrassed by how you think you're being portrayed. Yeah, this shows you a reflection of yourself that you don't like, and yeah. you know, it sucks. But it's, I mean, it's reality. It's somebody else. It's someone's reality. It doesn't have to be yours. You know. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I mean, look. I guess I'm trying to bring this back around to like. Like, have I been Dawn? Have I been Sonia or whatever? And like, yeah, I mean, there's tons of hateful shit about me on the internet. And it's like, there's a difference between me and Dave Chappelle. I know I cannot stop him. And like, I don't care. It has a right to exist. (laughs) You know, it doesn't fucking have anything to do with me. Like, I fucking think it's wrong. I think these people are, you know, making a bad point or whatever. But that's theirs to make. Like, you cannot control that. It's an inevitable outcome. There's so many people on in this world, and there's an internet, and then there's fucking plenty of room for people to express 
Just for I real. completely agree with you, and that's why I would reiterate to all of my reply guys who listen to this. Don't fucking at people, and don't send shit that is mean to people. All you're doing is bringing some negative fucking thought into their life. Like, nobody's going to like you. Like, I, sorry, okay, that's not correct. <laughs> Everyone is not going to like you. There we go. Everyone is not going to like you, and that's fucking fine, and it's their right, and it includes their right to make tweets about you or be inspired by your, the way they perceive your personality or your interactions to create art around that. As long as they are not actually harming me or, you know, someone directly, you bringing that shit to somebody's attention makes you the bad person who just wants to either instigate shit or hurt this person's feelings more than the person who said it originally. Because the person who said it originally wasn't trying to put it in front of our face. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. You, person adding us, being like, hey, did you see what so-and-so said about you? You are the mean piece of shit. (laughs) You understand me? Don't do that. There's no reason for you to do that. Unless a person specifically was like, hey, let me know anytime somebody doesn't like me. Don't do that shit. Let people exist and have their opinions. And let me live in a cloud of like, hey, (laughs) only only with people who like me. (laughs) Yeah. Also, like, you know. There's plenty of people that don't like me that I'm like, good. I, that person I don't want thinks you to like bad yeah. things. Like, they have bad taste. Yeah. If they liked me, that would be a problem, you know? Yeah, And, totally. like, I guess with, with like, this bad art friend, it's, it's probably difficult to watch, like, this person get all these awards and all this validation for this story yeah. that's, like, reiterating, oh, yeah, the, you have a stamp of approval from a college about this story about how you're kind of an asshole or whatever. So, like, it's insulting. But, but like, is it... Okay, fair. But is it only bad because nothing else is going on in Dawn's life and she's hyper-focused on hearing everything about Sonia's accolades? Yeah, totally. Because, like, well, even even if she was fixated on it, write something back, man. Well, yeah, do a thing about how somebody fucking turned your good gesture into a fucking horrible thing and they're a piece of shit. Do it. That's what art is for. That would have been cool Revenge. if it was, like, dueling <laughs> stories, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I I 100% agree with that. Uh, I've said it before, but one of my mo- most favorite things in comedy, uh, which I think like regular comedy fans don't often get, is breakup jokes. Uh, when two comics break up, and then they both are doing breakup jokes, and then it's like their audience doesn't really know exactly who they're talking about, <laughs> but then you get to be the person who's like, oh my god, I know who this is about. And then you go see the other person, and you're like, oh my god, I know who this is about. <laughs> and you get to hear a full, both sides of the story through art. <laughs> yeah. It's great. It's fantastic. That's what life is. I can't remember who Everybody it was. crying. Somebody called those jokes children one time, so it made me laugh yeah, real hard. Yeah, who was that? I yeah, can't remember. The, the, the only children we had was the jokes that came from the way. Who was that? I remember that bit. I don't know. But, well, um, if it was you, write in to whyyoumadpod at gmail.com. <laughs> I will say <laughs> we'll this. credit you on the next show. <laughs> I don't have any children. I don't do jokes about people I dated. I think it's rude. That's good. I also think that's cute that you think it's rude. I love it. Well, it's also uh, not my sense of humor, so it's also It's not your that. type of comedy, yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. And I also think, though, that nobody should be judging anyone based on the content of somebody else's jokes. Like, if you think that a joke is about someone, it's still just a joke, dude. Relax. It's fine. That's also true. 
yeah, like it's fine. You have a, you have every right to like exaggerate an experience to make it funny and to have catharsis. And nobody else, nobody outside of the people involved in the experience should be like, oh, this is a fucking indictment on this person. You don't know. It's just a fucking joke. Get a life. That's true. Interesting. All right. Well, let's do some plugs and get out of here. What do we got? Patreon. Send yeah, us mainly emails. just the Patreon. Um, I think we should try. What month are we? Not in October, but maybe starting in November. Uh, to do a Patreon episode every week, huh? Sure. Huh? Even have some guests? Let's get crazy. People keep making me do their Patreon episodes. <laughs> and then I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Shouldn't I be doing this for a while, man? So, that's what we should do. Interesting. Is, uh, if you guys are into it, sign up. Uh, we already do the mailbag like twice a month, but uh, sometimes we do additional random things. Uh, and I think we're going to try to commit to do a little bit more, especially winter's coming. We're not going to be able to go outside. It's going to be great. We're going to do so many pods. Uh, and if you have ideas for stuff for us to watch, which some people has, have written us some good ones, write us, uh, why you mad pod at gmail.com. And, um, oh, I am doing casual sets like once a month, probably for the rest of the year, uh, at friends and lovers. The next one is October 28th. I've turned it into a chill uh favoritism show where I only book people I love who I think are good people <laughs> and good comics. Uh, by which I mean before I used to book good comics who were not necessarily good people. <laughs> and now I'm trying to stick to the both, uh, the people I'd want to hang out with and therefore come hang out with us. It'll be fun. You'll be supporting getting comics get uh, getting comics paid. And also a really great venue that supports the neighborhood and um, underrepresented voices in the arts. Cool. Um, if you're in Florida, I'll be at Fest 19 cool. in Gainesville. Big old punk festival with a bunch of cool comics on it also. And I'll be at Jacksonville shortly after that. And my album's out November 5th. And I think that's it. You didn't say what the date is for Fest. What's the date? Oh, it's Halloween weekend. It's like thirtieth, thirty first. Damn. Okay. Yeah, I got to check whether I can go and um, try to get in there. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna check it out. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye.